Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. This podcast is inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast, season three. Today, I get to speak with Mark Hart. Mark Hart, everybody knows Mark Hart. He is the executive vice president for Life Team. He's an author. He's a speaker. He is the co-host of The Catholic Guy Show on Sirius XM. He does it all. I mean, this guy has been in ministry for over 20 years. You've probably heard some amazing, life-changing talks from him along the way. And if you haven't, oh gosh, like your life is missing out. I'm going to be honest with you. Anyway, so Mark and I are going to be talking about some old, like this is like such a random interview because Mark and I have been friends for a while. And so we just go off on these tangents. We talk about prayer and how you can use your daily life and what's going on in your own life to deepen your relationship and to know Jesus better through scripture. And then we're going to talk about like what bugs Mark the most about ministry, <laughs> a question that he is always asked that drives him crazy what he loves most about ministry and his biggest goof on stage. So you'll hear all of that. It's really, really great with Mark Hart. So anyways, here we go and enjoy this fantastic interview with Mr. Mark Hart. All right, and welcome back to the podcast. And I know that you cannot wait to hear from my next guest, the amazing, wonderful Mark Hart. Mark, how you doing? Hey, my sister. Woo. <laughs> it takes a podcast to hang out. This is so I, sad, but it's I wonderful. Know. I know. How are you? Oh, I am doing swimmingly. Are you kidding me? I got a teenage daughter, which is, gives me one half of my hair. That's gray. I got a three-year-old son who's a terrorist. That's the other gray half. And I got kids in between. I got a saintly wife. I'm living the dream out here. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's true. I guess you are just, you just you don't have a lot going on, do you? <laughs> Oh, we're all busy. It's just where we decide to put our energy. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I have a million and one questions, but just to start out so that people have some reference of like how we know each other and all that great stuff. I'm going to tell the story of, (laughs) I will tell the story because it is my podcast um, of how we met and my, my reaction to you and what I remember you saying to me. And then you can come back and tell me if it's true or not. Oh, this should be good. This should be really good. Okay, I can't wait. Okay, okay. Okay, so I remember, okay, so I just started speaking and and this is like a whole other podcast of like how I got into speaking because let me tell you something, did not want to do it. This is not something <laughs> I would sign up for. And I am floored by people still to this day, which I know we will talk about later, who will say, oh, I want to be a speaker. I want to do what you do. How do I do it? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why would They're you- insane. Why would you want this? I mean, this is, it's a calling. And now that I realize that I love it and I embrace it and God gives me all the grace I need to get through it. But let me tell you something. It is, it is insane. But anyway, I was just starting out. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's very clear if you look at any of my- early talks. Um, no. Well, kind of, just kind of. So I was at a Steubenville. I was asked to speak at one of the Steubenville conferences was praise be to God. They continue to ask me back every year. I'm thinking there's no way they're going to ask me back again, but they keep doing it. <laughs> God love them. And, um, and so it was my first Steubenville speaking and I'm nervous as heck. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting ready to go on stage in front of like, 
I don't. That was like three thousand. Yeah, I think three five hundred kids. That's a lot. Thirty five hundred kids for like one of my first talks. I'm like, oh crap, man. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm all excited and nervous, and I'm all dressed up in my in my dress and my jewelry and everything, and I'm getting ready to go on and. And I go and I give my talk and I come off stage and you like, I forgot what you said. You said something to me and you were kind and you, you, you know, you kind of like, you're like, Hey, you, you know, you did good or whatever, whatever it was. You said something. And then the eve, like the point on that Friday night when they all start talking about Jesus and everything kind of happens. I mean, I would, Jesus is always talked about, but <laughs> that's true. The point I'm going to get at is that this is the moment when I believe like we became friends. So we're sitting there and we're like, with the other speakers. And I think it was any, any Hickman, who's in a fantastic speaker and host. And he is with Adore Ministries. Well, he was up there because he was the host that time. I think it was any. And he starts talking to everybody. Now, keep in mind, I am brand new to the speaking circuit. I'm also brand new to Steubenville's. I am brand new to a lot of things in the Catholic world. Okay. I did not grow up as a charismatic Catholic. I did not grow up with like this evangelical background. It was just like, make sign of the cross, you kneel, you sit, you stand, you go home. That's the type of like upbringing I had, which is actually good. But so as we're sitting there and any is talking to all of these kids and he's like, you know what, you know, Jesus is going to be here. And I'm kind of like, okay, I guess he's already here. We mean, he's coming here, but I didn't understand that adoration was about to begin. (laughs) And he was like talking about it. And he's like, you know what? Like, Whatever you need, you just give it to Jesus and any is so good. And he's talking about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. This guy's really knows what he's doing. He's talking to these kids. And all of a sudden he's talking about, you know, asking the kids to be open to Christ. And oh my gosh. And he was like saying, listen, we're here for you. But, you know, who's here for you more is even Jesus. And all of a sudden I saw this kid in the front row, like raise his hand while Annie's talking. And I'm like, what? I'm like, holy crap, man. And he can't answer your question. Like, what's going on? Why, why, why would you raise your hand in the middle of, of this conference? Like, there's like, any can't call on you. And then I saw another kid raise their hand. And then before I knew it, like, pockets of kids are raising one hand, then they're raising both hands. And I look over to you and I was like, why do they have so many questions now? <laughs> and you looked at me. And then you realize that I did not understand that this was a form of praise and worship as the music was going and they're raising their hands in worship and prayer for Jesus. I remember you said to me, we're going to be really good friends. And I just started dying laughing and you were laughing at me and I am still flabbergasted. It's like, what has happened? All these kids are raising their hand and they're singing some Matt Marr song. And, and I'm like, what the heck, man? And you can't answer all your questions. Put your hands down. And I it was I was just completely confused, but now I know what they were doing. <laughs> do, do you do you remember this? This is like that was like the first interaction we had together. I do. I couldn't remember I can't remember what, they, what what I said, but I remember the look of shocked dismay on your face like, what am I doing here? How did I get here and how do I get out? It, exactly. was, it was it was this look of pure unadulterated fear and discomfort. Mixed with true, genuine intrigue. That's the way I can put it. You were intrigued, but you weren't sure. It was sort of like a, well, what did I stumble into? And I remember I, as I we like, had progressed, <laughs> after that, as we had progressed, we kept finding ourselves like whenever the team would come together, I think we both kind of strategically would like kind of find a way to sit by each other so we could kind of whisper <laughs> to each other and, and mess around, you know. But I remember, I remember though that that next night I gave a talk and I, and I shared I shared a story which I would say was is borderline inappropriate. It's not inappropriate. <laughs> 
but it's borderline inappropriate, you know, and, and it, it, it doesn't have this shock value, but it's one of those ones that it gets in the, some Catholic teens like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about this because, you know, it's 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 kind of intimate, but it's kind of funny. But I remember I told the story. I came off the stage and I remember one of the one of the organizers. I'd never told the story on stage before. This one of the organizers of the event. His eyes were huge. I mean, they were like full moons. Like, what did you just do? I'm going to get so many like emails. <laughs> But I looked over and you had this look of like shocked joy on your face <laughs> and you yes. were smiling and you just, you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. And we laughed. We, we went, we laughed like two hours that night. You're like, yes, I just can't believe I'm, you just got away with. Because it was awesome. And I'm so sick of all this la di da Jesus crap where people are like, don't worry about everything. It's just going to be okay because he loves you. And I'm like, dude, we need to speak truth. Like tell them real stories from real life. <laughs> because this is what people and kids today are dealing with. And so I came, when you came off stage, I, cause I was looking at the people who were having that shock look and being like, and I remember hearing them lean over to people being like, where is he going with this? Why is he telling that story? And in my <laughs> mind, I'm thinking, yes, because I would be one of those kids exactly where those kids are. And I need to hear somebody who's going to be talking real and true. That's why when you came off and I'm like, you know what? If you get thrown out out of this conference, I'm clearly going to get thrown out of this conference. And at least we have somebody to drink with at the bar later because we both get thrown out of the conference. But but we weren't. Solidarity. So. Solidarity. Exactly, man. That's, so, solidarity. That's when we do the friendship was born. Yes. <laughs> so I remember that. that. And that was, I don't know how many years ago. That was probably seven years ago at this point now. It's got to be. Eight years. Be. We're, we're only getting better looking and more interesting. That's if not right. a little bit slower and older. Yeah. <laughs> So you go around, you give all these talks everywhere. You do a lot of things. I mean, I'm not going to go into your bio. It's just insane. But you've been in this, you know, apostolic work, this ministry work, whatever you want to call it, for a long time. And you tell a lot of stories and you bring people to Jesus and yada, yada, yada. But what's your story? Like, what made you believe that this was worth it? Like, that living your life really for Christ was worth it rather than something else? I mean, like, what's your story? You know, that's a, that's a really great question and one that doesn't doesn't get asked very often. You know, I I never missed mass as a kid. We were total cradle Catholics. I never missed mass, never missed grace before a meal. My mom prays the rosary every day, although we never prayed together as a family. You know, we had a Bible. But we never read it. I heard the name of God invoked more on the way to church on Sunday morning by my father than I heard <laughs> invoked during mass. But you know what? Like uh, when this thing called Life Teen started when I was in high school and it started while I was getting forced to go through the sacrament of confirmation. And I mean, long, long, long story short, I just had, I had a really, my first of 500 conversions, I had a very profound experience when I was 16 on a high school retreat where I just, for the first time in my life, really kind of opened up my mind and my heart to the idea that God was real, you know, that it was more than just a ritual, that it was mm -hmm. more than just, you know, a hell avoidance, which is really what my faith had been until that point was hell avoidance, you know? Right. You know, where you're kind of seeking the loophole more than the Lord, you know what I mean? And you're like, ah, oh, that's venial at best, whatever, go do it. So, um, that was kind of my life. And that was the beginning, but that was, that was the first of many conversions. And that was kind of where I say that, that kind of my, my daily walk with the Lord really started. But, but I mean, after that, I'd love to say it was like Disney birds and daisies, like from there on out. And obviously that's not the way life works. I mean, even getting into college, I think my relationship started with God in my heart, but, but then again, in college, you know, and I mean, I'm going to a Catholic college at this point, but there was still a lot of debate. And I mean, that's kind of what I, what I, what I call it, kind of like my walkabout for truth. You know what I mean? Like I started yeah. studying East, Eastern religions and philosophy. I was looking, I was reading about Buddhism and Hindu. And I mean, I was reading I mean, Islam. I was reading everything, just everything I could, because I, I was convinced I didn't want to be Catholic just because my parents were, you know what I mean? I wanted right. to be sure that if I was going to invest in something, it had, it had truth. 
And you know, lo and behold, and you know, I'll be damned after a very long journey and a lot of debates and a, a lot of late nights and a lot of beers with a lot of priests and professors and atheists and everything, I found myself ending back up where I started. You know, it, it just it made the most sense logically. But then the, the weirdest thing happened because I started getting into my faith on like mentally. And this is back when the internet was really hopping, you know, and AOL sending out those stupid CDs. Everybody's got dial up and those stupid oh, yeah. dial up internet. Oh, yeah, man. I'm right with it and, with you. Oh, this is when like the chat room started popping. And, and I was, uh, I think I came out of college and I started into ministry, but I was kind of one of those Catholics that was kind of like, I'm going to teach you why you're wrong. And I became like one of those apologetics type Catholics, you know what I mean? Who would end up in a chat room debating with people, people that, that I can't stand today, like those kinds of, those kinds of people. And, and it was like, I'm going to slay you with truth. And I was really smug about it. Like I, like I had this great pearl of great price in the Catholic church. And the freakiest thing happened because at this point, I only read scripture to defend myself and to defend the truth and defend the church. It was like a sword. I was like attacking people with it. And then the, the, the weirdest thing happened was I started reading scripture just as a, as a child of God. Just I started reading scripture more for my own edification than for education. And the craziest thing happened is that it was like uh, the Lord just slapped me. I mean, just slapped that smug grin right off my face. And it was like, he's saying like, I love you, but you got this all wrong, you know? And and yeah. I really, really fell, I just fell in love with God on a whole different level in his word, you know? And, and truthfully, like not to be like on the counselor's couch and not to exhaust this point, but I think what it was, was see, I came from a family of six kids and, uh, you know, when you, and you come from a big family, Leah. Yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm you, the oldest of six myself. Yeah. When you come from a big family and this happens, I'd say in a lot of big families, not all, but a lot is, you know, you, you, you find you start to get attention for the things that you do whether that's good or bad, right? You get attention for acting up or acting out, or you get attention for accomplishments, right? You know, you're for exceeding or excelling in a certain area, sports, education, whatever, right? Arts. And I think what ended up happening was my family, and it wasn't a conscious thing. I started to see when I started falling in love with God the Father, I started to see that most of my Christian life, and most of my life, in fact, was really just me trying to gain and earn the attention and approval of my earthly parents or the attention and approval of my earthly siblings, who were all one more successful than the next. And I started to see that I had transferred that to my faith life. It was almost like I was trying to earn God's affection, earn his attention, earn his love. And when I started encountering the God of the universe and, and his word, I started realizing this is a God who loves me just as much in my sin as he does in, in his grace. He loves me not for my accomplishments. You know, that grace is not earned, you know? And it was, it was really freeing. And it sounds really campy, but it, was, it really, really wrecked me. Like in a good way, it wrecked me to realize that no matter what I did, that God's love for me wouldn't change. And that, that we serve a God who loves the Pope, sure, but he also loves the prostitute on the corner across from the Vatican. Do you know what I mean? Like the same yeah. way, with the same fervor. Yeah. And it was so overwhelming. And I felt so stupid. That it took me so long to figure this out. Yeah. Well, join the club because, you know, members only here allowed. And actually, I look good in a members only jacket, which... um. Which very few people know what those are. And yes, I do know off. what they are. I've got one in my closet <laughs> still to this day. It's maroon. I'm not kidding you. I have it. It takes a special soul to pull that off. That's right. That's and I pull it off, Mark. I'm telling you something. I look good in my members only jacket. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question. It's sort of a long answer, but it's, um, you know, I, my, my story, like everybody else's, it's just, a, it's a long and windy road on the GPS of a faith journey. I take the scenic route. I, I rarely take the direct route. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, I just think it's good. I think it's good that people kind of know a little bit about that because sometimes you can get caught up and, you know, and God uses all different voices. So, I mean, you can get caught up listening to a great talk and a great 
for me, I hear like, you know, I hear great talks from you and other speakers as well. But sometimes like, I just want to get behind and being like, yeah, but like, tell me how you know him. Tell me how mm-hmm. you know Christ. You know, that always intrigues me and interests me more than any, any type of, you know, quip or memorized Bible verse. Mm-hmm. It's like, but yes, but do you know Jesus? Tell me how you know Jesus. And, and you know, you know, there's, there's, there's one exercise I really love doing. I'll, I do it every once in a while just to kind of check myself. Because um, I'll usually say, like, say you're sitting in a chapel, right? You're sitting in a chapel at your local church or whatever. Or you're sitting in your room or whatever, right? But it's just you. You can hear yourself think. Your saint-making machines are all asleep. You know, you don't have any ankle biters running around. You know what I mean? You have a couple neurons still firing. You're, yes. you're fairly awake. And I'll, I'll do this exercise where I'll just kind of close my eyes. And I try, to, I try to picture the face of Jesus. And what I find is when you tell somebody to picture the face of Jesus, what they normally do is they picture a picture. And artist interpretation that hangs in their home or their church or one that they saw over the years that they really like, that they kind of connect with, right? But the problem is when you do that, you're really, you're not really imagining Jesus. You're just remembering someone else's imagination of him. Do you know what I mean? Interpretation of him. And there's a difference that when you say, no, I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to picture the face of Christ. And if, and if a picture, like a canvas kind of idea comes up, you erase that from your mind and you start over again. But you really imagine the face of Christ and you imagine all the details. Like what color are his eyes? How leathered is his skin from being a laborer out in the sun? Is there any gray in his beard? What does it look like when he smiles? Well, you know, what kind of a smile does he have? Do you know what I mean? How yeah. tan is he? Like, when, when you, how, how, what kind of hair does he have? You know, is it weather? Is it, is it matted? Is it, is it, you know, is it scruffy? Like, what is it? And when you really start to go there and you say, no, what color is his eyes? No, look deeper. Don't just tell me brown. Look deeper. What kind of brown? What kind of hues? What are we talking about here? And when you really start to pause, and you really start to imagine the Imago Dei, as the church calls it, the, the, the face of Christ, the face of God. When you do that, when you kind of put out of the deep in your own intellect, and you ask yourself these questions, you immediately come to one of two, I think, responses. Number one is, I don't think about this enough. I don't pause enough. I don't pray enough, or, or, or I don't pray deeply enough, you know? Or I've become too rushed, or too stressed, or too self-absorbed. I've been too busy lately, whatever it is. It, so it, it'll either startle you that way, like it's a call back to prayer, or it's an invitation to even deeper intimacy. You know, it's like, and I don't know if you ever go through this with your husband. I know my wife, Melanie, I go through this all the time. When you get really, really busy with kids and work and bills, everything else, and you forget to look at each other, you know, to just look at each other, to just lock eyes and really get lost in the other for even 10 seconds, even when melee is going on around you. Yeah. And it's like a return to your due north. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like it recalibrates your soul and your relationship and, and kind of just, it just that takes you out of the moment and just kind of transports you back to a time. Do you know what I mean? Like when that, when that spark first hit, you know, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. Yeah. it's the same kind of way, like in a relationship with Christ, like we're usually going so fast. What we do is we tend, if we pray at all, we tend towards the forms of prayer that we're most comfortable with or that fit into our schedule, but we don't just make time just to look into his eyes again and really to let him look at us, you know? And the sacraments do that for sure. But th- this is the kind of thing that you can do at any moment of the day, even when things are going nuts and, and be reminded of the fact that, you know, that like, you know, that the church is the bride of Christ. Be reminded that you're God's son, you're God's daughter. And I think that's where the rubber hits the road. And it sounds, again, it sounds really campy and it sounds even kind of cheesy. But the reality is, is that that's where relationships, like when you see marriages where they really have a great deep intimacy and a deep connection, that takes work and it takes time. And it takes slowing down and it takes reconnecting constantly. Yeah. You know, the other ones are just going through the motions. And I think our faith, our faith can be just like that. We end up just going through the motions, 
because we're trying to just get through the day. Absolutely. It reminds me of, I used to run track and it reminds me when you go through the motions of a relay, when you're running a relay, if like, if you're going to receive the baton, you kind of keep an eye on something and you keep it on the person. As soon as they start going, you run as fast as you can, obviously in the same direction, but then you just throw your hand back and you just hope that that baton's there, but you're like, you're not having any type of like connection. You're just going as fast as you can to like hand off something else. And you know, whether it's our, our marriage or our relationship with Christ, but sometimes we can get into this role of just handing off. Like, you know what? I just have to go really, really quick. I have to say this rosary and I'm going to say the rosary because I told myself I'm going to say it every day or I'm going to say these prayers every day because that's just what I'm supposed to do. And even if I don't have like any type of heart behind it, I'm going to perform the action. I'm just going to hand off the rosary. I'm just going to hand off the baton again. You know, like just, just go, just go, just go. And you don't like stop and like realize that sometimes that meditative prayer of thinking about, you know, the face of Christ and thinking about, or just taking a moment in scripture history, thinking of any moment and try to place yourself in that moment, place yourself as you sat next to Jesus, as you spoke to the woman at the well, or place yourself in that moment when Mary just, when Mary just delivered Jesus and it was her and Joseph and sit with them in that small little place and watch that little baby Jesus nurse for the first time or like be with Mary or how Joseph could have held his hands out to hold the Messiah for the first time, taking him from Mary. You know, that is so much more fruitful, in my opinion, than just a rushed prayer, rote prayer very quickly, just because you think that you should, because you grew up that way and you need to, because you're in a novena. And if you don't do it, then the day doesn't count. You have to start over. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, and while God still honors those other practices, the Venus Rosaries, sure, and they're good and they're fruitful. Sure. And they're perfect for when you collapse into your bed at the end of the day and you only have two minutes before you fall asleep. And, you know, and maybe you, you can't have like that conversational prayer. But to your point, when you put yourself in that position right there at the incarnation, right there on, on Christmas night, when the deliverer has been delivered, do you know what I mean? Like, and you're there and you pause in that moment and you and you gaze at the look in Mary's eyes and you gaze look at Joseph's eyes and you, and you think what would it be like to hold your savior in your hands and you pause like that then you know what that does you know for you Leah as a busy mom who has a child who needs their diaper changed that when you walk away from that walk out of that room you're folding laundry walking into the room to go change a diaper or something that change in the diaper now really does become a form of prayer not just an act of service Amen. because you're in a you're in a different place you're in a different mindset and while you maybe have been transported physically you have been transported emotionally and spiritually to a different place because the posture of your heart changes. And that's why, you know, it says in scripture, grace builds on grace. Well, if you take a brief moment like that and you give it to God and he, like, that's a grace, but he's going to bless you with a grace for that. Do you know what I mean? Like that is the, that is the given change. That's why that's not St. Paul, even as a celibate could say, pray constantly because he was able to get to that place where he found ways to bring Christ, to bring the spirit into the everyday moments. It wasn't just when he was preaching. It's, it was when he was getting shipwrecked and jailed right. and beaten. Right. He was able to somehow contextualize it and go, okay, Christ is here with me right now too, you know? And it's in those moments where, you know, Paul came out with a lot of these same statements, like you're saying, where he was lonely. He was alone. He was forgotten. And I just, I think that's just really important, especially in a world today where we have this FOMO, this fear of missing out, and we have to always be connected, engaged, and always a part of something. And God forbid that you have, we have any silence in our life. We're always trying to fill that. And that's really a sign of of a problem, really. If, if we can't be okay with silence and allow that silence to use it 
for the glory of God, because it's, I don't know, you probably agree with me. I don't know, but silence is this, is God's language. It's his foreign language and you have to spend more time in it to feel comfortable to kind of get there and to get to that place in those moments of prayer that we're talking about and that Paul spoke of, you know, when you're praying all the time and your your daily activities become that prayer. Oh yeah. There's so many awesome levels to prayer that you can bring your own natural state of life into. Like, I mean, I have no idea where we're going with this conversation and it doesn't really matter because it's my podcast. So I don't really care. But, but I was just thinking about prayer. I mean, like, okay, for me and you tell me, cause we are both parents, but me being a mom, this is like, this is wrecking me. So I will put myself in that place of like Christmas night, right? Where I'm just there and, and I'm in a sense experiencing Mary as she holds Jesus for the first time. And I've had three babies age and my babies are really young, three, two, and almost one. So that memory is very close to me. And then in that same moment, I'm thinking of how she held him as she's thinking of that memory, as she's looking up at the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can barely even say this sentence right now without choking up. I'm just thinking, how can a mother, how can a mother stand that type of intensity? of looking and watching her son, knowing this is son of God, this is Messiah, you know, and all of that moment. But I mean, like that just takes your prayer, like this whole new level of love and respect I have for the mother of God when I'm yes. thinking of what she's gone through. And then it kills me when people are like, oh, Catholics worship Mary and Mary's not that big of a deal. And I'm like, not that big of a deal. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, but they, and this, again, this is, and I always go back to this, this is why I love scripture so much because you come to realize that even though 30 years and, and about you know five miles separated Bethlehem and Calvary, the first Pieta didn't take place at the foot of the cross. It took place next to the manger. Like when you see the two images, you know, I mean, whether that's, whether that's the baby in swaddling clothes or the, the savior in the loincloth, the consistent is Mary holding both. You know, the consistent is, you know, the same way you had Joseph, of the nobleman from Nazareth there at the birth. You have Joseph, the nobleman from Arimathea there at the death. You have Instead of having the ox and the ass flanking the manger in Bethlehem, you have the good and the bad thief flanking the cross in Calvary. Like these moments are so tied in and in God's providence are so intertwined, they're indissoluble. And so, so to your point, like when, yeah, when, when the, the deeper you, you meditate on these truths, whether it's Lectio Divina or just through meditation, just putting yourself into the story, all these dots start to connect. And then you start to see that, you know what, in the mind and the heart of God, I'm not just someone attending a passion play or a Christmas pageant, I am there at the manger. I'm there at the cross. You know, when, when they go down into Egypt, I mean, even though they don't say what happens, I've had some of the best prayer of my life just sitting and meditating on St. Joseph. And what did he feel? I mean, here he is with probably, you know, a little, honestly, beyond the golden frankincense and myrrh, he had nothing else to his, he's going to go to a foreign land armed only with his tool belt, you know, spend the money he's been given, but try to drum up work for the next couple of years to provide for his wife and child. I mean, under the threat of death from a homicidal king. And I'm like, and here I am stressed out about making the car payment. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it really puts things in context. You know what I mean? You got a crazy king who's killing people. What's the matter with me? You know what I mean? It's not not like my governor is issuing a death threat to my kids. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is insanity. I know. And I think about that moment. I think about that moment too and how Mary must have felt with everything that she was told and what she knows with her own study of God, you know, from Gabriel, like to know that going through Egypt where there's this crazy king who's trying to kill all of these babies looking for Jesus, to think that I can imagine her heart breaking for all of those mothers who 
were mourning and screaming in pain at the loss of their babies as she was taking, you know, the Messiah through the desert. I'm yeah. just like, like, oh my, uh, yeah. and, and, all and, of these things. Uh, oh, just on a practical level, she's postpartum. She's oh. still postpartum. Let I me mean, tell this, you something. This is all real fresh, and she's going to get back on a donkey and go further south into a foreign land as a refugee? Are you kidding me right now? Oh, gosh. Those hormones, they are rough, and I can't imagine even doing anything as real as that as you're going and what, through. And, and what the hell is Joseph going to say to her? She's the Immaculate Conception. Right. She is liter- she's literally Mrs. Wright. He has nothing he can say <laughs> about anything. That poor brother, I mean, he knew. I mean, talk about a guy who always had an intimate and escalated knowledge of his own sinfulness. He's married to the Immaculate Conception, raising the second person of the Trinity. Holy crap. Well, you definitely wouldn't say calm down in that moment. <laughs> you, you know, there was no eye rolling going on, right. even in Egypt. Yeah, there's none of that. I mean, but these are the beautiful ways that we can pray. These are the amazing things that we can do to like enter into that place of getting to know Christ a little bit more, of just taking the stories that we already know, the pieces of scripture, and diving into them and putting ourselves there and remembering that these are humans. These are actually real people, you know, that went through it with the same human emotions that we share. So I love that. And I love that you always bring that out in all of your talks. Now, how long have you been doing this work? Oh man, uh, I just started. Yeah, I've been I've been with Life Team for twenty years. I've been doing ministry for twenty. I'm starting my twenty third now. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so I have some questions, and I know okay. you're going to be honest. And we've talked about some of these before in the past. So just feel free to share whatever you want. Okay, what is the most asked question you get from people? How do I become a Catholic speaker like you? And it makes me mental. It makes me absolutely mental me to your too. point earlier, because it's like, oh, really? You want to go through insane and severe spiritual attack, sleeplessness, sleep deprivation, being off of your eating, sleep and work schedule, constant travel, being away from your loved ones, waking up in hotel rooms. Like it's not glamorous. It's not beautiful. Inconsistent it's, income. Not the best. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's not glamorous. What, people. It's not. There's nothing glamorous about this. It's, I look back and I'm like, I'm saying the same thing as you. I'm like, how do you become one? I'm like, you don't even have to worry. If God wants you to do it, he'll open the door, but you do not have to try to kick any open. Right. Um, trust it's me. not glamorous. And it's, it's, it is a, it's a, it's a blessed, but heavy yoke. And the spiritual attack, if someone would have told me at the beginning, the spiritual attack that comes with saying yes to this part of the ministry, I don't know if I would have had the, the courage and the fidelity to say yes to it. No. Because it's incessant. I absolutely agree real. with you. And I mean, there's just, I won't share with them because it's just, I won't share some of these stories they are just between me and the mm-hmm. Lord. But yeah, there have been so, there have been unfortunately too many moments where I've literally just been in the fetal position on the ground crying, being like, what is happening from just different crazy things that happen in ministry and mm-hmm. spiritual attacks and things that are, things that, that go on. And it's not just because you work in the Catholic or Christian world does not mean that it's perfect or that you deal with perfect people or that everyone's going to be understanding and it's all going to be fair and just like it's not. And so it hurts even more sometimes when those things happen from people, organizations or groups or whatever it is that you would think because they have a uh, stamp of, you know, Christian on them that it would work out different. And so there, yeah, there's just a lot that goes into it that people don't know about. I think what people want is, I think usually when I get that question, I don't know about you, I think behind it is more of like, it looks really cool to be up on stage and have a microphone and say some funny things that maybe make people laugh and then people clap. I would just like that part. Yeah, it's. I think that the perception of the affirmation and validation that you get is really, really off from reality. 
Yeah. And people forget that like, that's really not good for our souls. Like it's terrible. It's, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you can probably say it better, but like, praise be to God that people find meaning in, and hopefully the words of the Christ gives me to say, but if I begin to think that those claps are for me and not for the Lord, oh man, the devil is winning in my life. Oh yeah. And honestly, what a great reality check though. You get to go home and there is no lights and there is no stage. And there is no mic. It's just a dirty diaper and an emotional meltdown waiting for you. You know, like I finished, I was on somebody, I finished talking not too long ago and there's probably 10 or 15,000 people in the room, you know, and it, was, it would have been really easy to be like, wow, you know, look at this. But the best part is like, then you leave that talk, you get on a plane, you go home and I'm, and you know, five hours after that talk, I'm on my hands and knees in my kids' rooms, you know, cleaning up the vomit in the carpet. You know oh I mean? yeah. It's just, it's reality check time. You it know, is not reality glamorous. check time. I remember <laughs> one in particular, I came off, I did the same thing gave a talk, got off stage, was talking to some people. It was all like, oh, it's great, great. And it kind of made me feel really good. And then I go back to the hotel. Ricky is there with, um, this is when we just had Agnes. And he's like, and something happened with our bank account because I forgot to pay a bill. And he's like, Leah, do you know what happened? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's like, Leah, this happened. I'm like, oh my. And then like parts of our my life are falling apart because I forgot to pay a bill. And then, and then in the process, I'm holding... Agnes and then all of a sudden this horrible sound happens and she like has this poop vomit diaper all over me. <laughs> yeah. I have to go back out and give another talk. I've got poop all over me and then I've also got an unpaid bill and I'm like come back I like yeah guys it's fine. Everything's totally fine. Anyways, yeah, it's real life. Love but it. okay, so let me ask you another question. Yeah. Okay. All right. So most asked question, yep, I I kind of thought that was going to be the case. I just didn't know for sure. The next one is what drives you crazy about ministry? What bugs um, you the most? People being, the church being okay with mediocrity and things that are just done poorly. Like it drives me crazy when there's, when there's a pastor that will have 10 staff members who are average or below average instead of four or five who are really, really solid and really competent. It drives me crazy that bureaucracy and too many meetings and lack of vision and lack of the right people in leadership make our church at times look obsolete with the decisions that they make, whether that's art, environment, messaging, tonality, things like that. I mean, it's just, there's, it's this constant problem that exists where you have the wrong people in the wrong positions. And I'm not talking about bishops or anything like that. I'm talking about people that bishops and priests have employ. Right. And it drives me nuts because there are, it's almost like we, we almost feel bad telling somebody they're not good at something. Or they, they might they might be in the wrong ministry, or they might be maybe they're not the best suited for this position because it's like well we're a church of mercy and compassion, so have to be nice. What ends up happening is is that the people who should be doing those jobs don't get those jobs. You know what I mean? And like so you, so you have people that are out of position. So what ends up happening is that the, the church ends up looking like she is archaic or antiquated or obsolete. And the beauty that the gospel deserves and the quality that the gospel deserves gets lost. And I'm a believer that we should smash the alabaster jar, pour out the perfume give it our absolute best, put the right people in the right positions and really kick it up a notch. You yeah. know what I mean, and it drives me nuts because we're almost a, on a parish level. We're almost a church that celebrates incompetence. I know. Right. It's like, why don't we just hire the people? There's so many, here's the thing. There's so many talented people. There's so many talented people who could do a lot of good and have a specialty in the different areas of the church where laity can play a role and should play a role and should be there. And yet we're just like, yeah, but you know what? I've got sweet, you know, sweet Aunt Agnes over here who we can hire for just a couple dollars a week. Exactly. And, and you know, she's willing or, the, the, well, she's willing to do it for free. And so it's, vol and I'm like, yeah, but 
the whole church is suffering and you, you know, get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. she's free. You get what you pay for. Yeah. But you, you know this too. You've seen good, really, really, really quality, like quality, talented people have to leave active ministry because they can't make ends meet or they're having to take on all these other jobs and they can't make it because they can't make ends meet. And in the meantime, it's like you have people that, that are working at half the pace with half the talent that takes twice as long. And you're like, if you just consolidate and have the right people, you see the same thing happen truthfully, like our priests, our priests are ordained to preach, teach and sanctify. And then before you know it, they're getting called into every stupid council meeting of the parish and every meeting, every pothole and every construction meeting and every fundraising meeting. And they can't even just be priests. Like, so the whole thing, it, it drives me, it makes me mental. It makes me really mental. So that's my biggest thing is that I look at this and I, it's proof that Christ died for us. It's proof the Holy Spirit's here because the only reason this church is still standing is because of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But that being said, that being said, it makes me nuts when people who are not good at leading lead. I hear you. I think what bugs me the most is, well, I guess you said that that's a really good thing you said, but what bugs me too is really poor media. Oh, it's horrible. Like the stuff where you're like, that look, this is scary. This is like the beginning of a really bad after school special where mm-hmm. something happens and then it ends up in turning into like a horror show later. Like, I don't understand, like, there, especially now everything is so visual and media is so important. Doing poor media in terms of evangelization should just not even be an option. It, it just, we just should not do that. And then when we produce things and put things out together as a whole, as a church, for evangelization and getting to know Christ. And it's got somebody with, you know, plaid suspenders on and, you know, socks up to their knees. And I mean, that's probably an overstatement of the silliness, but like, it just does not look very inviting. You're like, this looks like something from the movie, the ring. If we're that lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess. If we're that lucky. Okay. All right. So mo- moving on, moving on, moving on. Let, let's be more positive now since I'm the one that <laughs> took us down that horrible path. Okay. What do you love the most about what you do? The people I get to work with and the miracles I get to see. I'm really blessed. You know, our, our, um, I work full time. I mean, I, I have a few different jobs, but I work really full time for Life Team and the Life Team. I can genuinely say that I get to work with the most talented and just the most fun, like the holiest, the most fun, most talented staff I could ever assemble. You know, just really great people. And because of that, over the years, I've gotten to have a front row seat to watch miracles. I mean, to watch total miracles, physical, actual physical miracles just to watch just the, the unbelievable happen. And I've gotten to be front row seat for it, you know? So I'm really spoiled in that way. Like, uh, yeah, as, as much work as there is and as hard as it is and as many miles logged and all that kind of thing, I can't imagine a better job or a better life or better people to work with. You do work with a really, really great group. Life team's amazing. The Holy Spirit has really uh, spoiled us and spoiled me. Like I, uh, like I said, I've gotten to go all over the world and I've gotten to see parishes transformed and families transformed and vocations born. And it's really cool. It's really, really fun. It is cool. And sorry if you guys, I don't, Mark, can you hear Violet crying in the background? <laughs> you know, it's funny. After you have enough kids, it's just white noise. It's like, right. You're like, I think there might be a yours, child. Is it mine? Like I don't There's know. A pitch. And a mom can so, hear her own child, but not others. It's good. I don't know. She is taken care of, just so all my listeners know. But <laughs> she's just having a moment. And she's just going to have to have a moment for a few more minutes. She's my screamer. She doesn't even cry. She just screams. It's just insane. So it, it pro- I don't even know if he, if the microphone is picking up on it. But in case 
my editor can't get it out. Just so you all know, she's totally taken care of. She's fine. She's just a screamer. <laughs> Your listeners are thinking that Violet's stuck in that. Like she's painter taped to the high chair right now. Right. Like a bowl exactly. of applesauce so, in front of her. Right. Exactly. She makes it sound like I'm completely inept in taking care of her. Like <laughs> there's someone holding her right now and, and everything else. I'm probably trying to stuff <laughs> Fruit Loops in her mouth. But Leah's podcasting from the bathtub. She's got a glass of salve. Right. She got the sleeve mask on. Someone will take care of it. I got like I just put my kids in a pack and play with with bars on top. I'm like, you guys throw some Fruit Loops and Pirates booty in there. You guys can deal with it. <laughs> if you're moms, you know what those things are. Pirates booty, you're probably like, what is that? But anyways, it's a really good popcorn. Pirates um, booty is great. Gosh, it's so good. Had some today. Okay, so what is the biggest like the biggest goof on stage that you've ever experienced? Do you have oh one? my gosh, yes. Oh, it was horrible. Was it? Tell I mean, me, it I want. I want to hear. Is it horrible? Bad? No. So I had given this this talk and it was I was really I was really into it. I was probably a little too passionate. And I, I was I almost broke my vocal cords that day. And I tell you, but I got to the end and I was I was just really so you know how sometimes you give a talk you just really feel the spirit moving. Yeah. You just sometimes you're just like oh man, I just feel it. And we got to the end and just went into this impromptu prayer. I was not planning on, so I just started praying. It was just in the moment and praying. But as I'm praying, the host, the person in charge of the thing, is like five feet away on the side of the stage going. <laughs> And she's trying to get my attention. I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, I'm all talking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm praying. But it was so distracting. It took me out of the prayer. So it's one of those ones where, like, the whole room, like, their eyes are closed. Jesus is about to come out in adoration, right? I can see the candles lit in the back. I'm trying to transition. And I'm trying to finish this prayer. And this woman is just, she's, it's like she's landing planes off stage, waving her <laughs> arms like a freaking duty bird. And going, so I went to say, <clears throat> when, the, when, the, when the bus second comes in, we're going to kneel if you want to have some space or spread out. And I was trying to say, if you want to lay prostrate, but she was so distracting. I said, if you want to lay prostate. Oh no. Oh no. And I said it. And luckily, like most of the teens in the room didn't understand what prostrate was much less prostate. But I mean, the adults in the room had this look like, <laughs> what the crap? Like and this one guy in particular, this usher in the front row, who's probably in his sixties, you know, may have had a prostate problem for all I know. I mean, he, he had his hearing aid on. He's like, what? And he actually said to me, what? In the middle of the prayer. I'll never forget as long as I live. And to this day, Leah, to this day, if you and I are on an event together, you will never, ever, 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 ever hear me utter the word prostrate aloud again because I'm so petrified I'm going to say prostate. I'm petrified it's going to happen. Oh, gosh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could, it could have been worse. I could have said castrate yourself or something like that. You know, I mean, which would have been horrible. Okay, but, so so what I want to know is, what did that woman want? She wanted to tell me that adoration was ready to start. Oh. I mean, she couldn't have pointed or written on a pad or just trusted that I could see that, right. like the army of altar servers with lit candles and the incense bellowing from the back of the room. But it was, yeah, it was great. That's so she funny. Was, uh, she was tremendous. There was a, there was another time. I, and this was to a men's conference, luckily, so it actually played pretty well on the stage. I was trying to say God's love was unleashed with like the force of Niagara, like Niagara Falls, but I accidentally said Viagra. Oh, gosh. Um, but luckily, like I said, it was about a thousand men and they were howling. They thought I did it on purpose. I did not, but I did take credit for it. Like I did it on purpose. Oh, um, that's so <laughs> awkward. That's true story. awkward. Well, it would oh. been really awkward if it was a room full of women. That would have been even worse. So. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. At least it's not. And then, okay, one last question. One last question. What has been, do you have one, like your favorite ministry moment? What's been like the most amazing thing you've ever been able to witness or been a part or be a part of? You know, I would say ordinations. 
I've been to s- of several ordinations of guys and I met when they were 14 or 15 or 16 and wow. guys that I argued, argued with, debated with. And you know, there's one guy in particular, you know, he was, he was a self-proclaimed atheist going to a Catholic high school who was going to youth group because his girlfriend went. And he was really smart, like wicked smart intellectual. And he always wanted to debate. I was doing a teaching or a talk and we'd sit afterwards and we'd talk a couple hours and just so bright. You know, he ended up having a huge conversion. He's a pastor now, one of the biggest churches in our diocese. And he comes by our office and says mass and I'll go to confession to him regularly. He's a great priest. You know, I remember his adoration when he knelt down and he laid down prostrate before the <laughs> bishop. But his face, you know, when it went down towards the marble and I saw him pledge his life to the God he used to publicly denounce, you know, that was that was one of those moments that um, I don't know how much I'll retain when I'm on my deathbed. But I have a hard time believing that's going to leave me. Wow. You know, it was so powerful. It was so tangible. And it was, um, and it came at a time when the devil had really gone after me. And I was really doubting my effectiveness in ministry and doubting, I'm thinking maybe my time was done. I need to transition out and move on. And it was really like, it was a mercy. It was a really, it was a mercy of God and a really grace-filled moment that I really needed that kind of gave me like the, the kind of like the, the grace for the day. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the motivation and the inspiration I needed to kind of keep going at a really critical time. And I, th- I go back to it often. And I'm so thankful for it. But, I mean, I could, I, could, I could talk to you for four more hours on different examples and moments like those, but that was a really poignant one. Yeah, that's amazing. So I know you, I know you well, and I know that you love and you often let the Holy Spirit just like do whatever he wants with you, especially when you are giving talks. I can see it because I know you have like, you're super organized and you have your talks planned and everything. And then I see moments every single time where I'm like, oh, here it is. He just let go of the wheel and it, you just go and you just let the Holy Spirit just kind of like take you on like a little detour and then you come back to whatever else. And so I'm just I'm wondering and I'm just curious, like is as we, we close up, I'm going to wrap up really quick right here with our interview. With, and thank you so much for being a part of this and being able to talk oh to you and everything. I love um, you. I, I love you too. I know. And, you know, Frank, I knew you would just because we're such good friends. I was like, all right, I can get Mark. <laughs> I know he'll come and talk to me. I'm so thankful for it and, and for your friendship and how much you've shaped me and mentored me in my speaking because you've been a huge part of it. Life Teen's actually been a bigger part than probably even what they know in my life and in my marriage with Ricky of just helping us. So, but I want to end, I want to say my thanks really quickly now to you, but I wanted to end because I wanted to see if there was something on your heart that the Holy Spirit wanted you to share right now with anybody listening is like, do you have any thought moment? I don't know. The Holy Spirit does things in you mm-hmm. that I just am in awe about. So I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit have a few seconds here. What, what's, what do you got for us, Mark? You know what? I know, I know you have so many listeners on this podcast and they're just awesome, awesome people. I just want to take a second and just speak specifically to any of the moms that are listening or any of the parents that are listening. And that is that, uh, you know, parenthood is really, really hard. No matter how old your kids are, the minute that God gives you that gift, it's like he unlocks this part of your heart that you can't control. And it's fun and it's joyful and it's scary and it's painful. And it's all those things all together every day. While you're running a marathon, you feel like you're going to pull your hair out a lot of days. You know, it's like, it's like trying to do a hundred yard dash in a 90 yard gym. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the battle of virtue. And all I'm going to say is parents, you know, especially parents whose kids are like wavering in the faith, look like they don't care are a total pain in the butt, you're dragging them to church, or they're rolling their eyes, or they don't want to go, or they left the church, whatever it is. You're only a failure as a parent when you stop praying. No matter how disheveled you look, no matter how destroyed your home is, no matter how you obsess over you know, how you can and can't control things with your kids, you are only a failure when you stop praying for your kids. And you know, that's when, you know, and 
So just give yourself a break. You know, God didn't, God's not expecting perfection from you every day. He's expecting effort. You know, that's what he's hoping for. And I guess I just want to say that, you know what, when, when you feel really tired, and maybe especially if you're even tired in your marriage, when you're feeling most exhausted in your marriage and you can't make it work and things aren't going your way or your family, you have to remember that the grace of the sacrament is stronger than you are. And you have to lean into that grace and tap into that grace as often as you can, because that is what's going to see you through. Not your effort, not your to-do list, not your perfect home, your perfect Christmas card. The grace of the sacrament will see you through any storm. That's Amen. it. Amen. Praise be to God. Oh, you're great. Mark, thank you so you're much great. for everything. Seriously, you're amazing. Oh. And I know people will love everything that you had to say. It was really, really fun. And let's see, Mark, where can we find out more about you? You know what? If you, have, if you go to BibleGeek.com, it'll take you to my Facebook page. And from there, you can probably find me on Twitter or Instagram. Usually just type in Bible Geek. Twitter, Instagram. If you, if you have SiriusXM, you can find me uh, on uh, the Catholic Channel weekdays from 5 to 7 Eastern. Hanging out with uh, the crazy man, Lino Rulli. And um, I, think, I don't think I get to see you this summer. I think they, they, set, they, they keep us apart now after all the fun we have in the speaker meetings. They don't like they to have know. us on the same events. <laughs> they, they figured it out. They're like, Mark and Leah, all they do is laugh. And they, they are always late to team meetings. So Cowards. <laughs> Sorry. Look what they I will, did. I would have to come up with an excuse to be able to get you and Ricky out to see us soon. So I'll figure something come out. Come up I with an excuse. Do something. All right, my sister. I love you. Awesome. Love fun. you too. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. As always, a couple things. One, go to iTunes and give me a rating and a review that helps us become more visible so that people can hear these amazing interviews like people with Mark Hart. And yeah, and oh yeah, just so you know, we're still raising money for Haiti. So feel free to go to the GoFundMe page that I have, GoFundMe.com slash Leah's Maternity Ward, because we're raising money to have a maternity ward for mamas and babies. That's still going on. And oh, stay tuned because I am making some big fun announcements for some fun trips. I'm planning pilgrimages, excuse me, next year that you do not want to miss out on. So I think that's it. I'm going to wrap up. And remember, whatever you do, Do something beautiful for the Lord. It is right and it is just. Amen. We'll talk to you later. 